Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the Tom's Hardware Show. We normally go live Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time, but we just got some big news from NVIDIA this afternoon, and we just couldn't wait to get into it. So we are going live now. That's right. We are live right now, September 1st, 4 p.m. Eastern time. And just like any episode of the Tom's Hardware Show, we are taking viewer questions. So if you have something to ask, just put your question into your Facebook or YouTube chat, and we'll be looking to answer those by the end of the show. So RTX 3000, aka Ampere, has officially been unveiled. So we have a couple of Tom's Hardware editors joining me today to dive into it all. Uh, we have Matt Safford, Tom's Hardware Managing Editor. And we also have Jared Walton, our Senior Editor, covering all things graphics. Howdy, Sharon. Hello. I want to start with you, Jared, since this is your beat. Um, for those of us who maybe didn't have two hours staying out with NVIDIA this afternoon, can you give us a brief overview of what we learned about Ampere today? I mean, so the big news, obviously, is it's going to be potent. I mean, like this is a this is a big jump. They've gone from well, so fundamentally, your GPUs are highly parallel processors. There's a lot of graphics calculations that is like you can just farm them out to thousands of separate threads, if you want to call it that. It's not like a CPU thread, but whatever. And uh, and they all run in parallel, and there's a lot of things to do because you've got you know millions of pixels on a screen that you can sit there and try and render so if you have you know a thousand cores or ten thousand cores it's all good you can split it up so um for example the rtx 2080 ti the previous halo card if you want to call it that it has um 68 uh streaming multiprocessors sms that's kind of your equivalent of a cpu core if you want to call that each of those has 64 cuda cores and so all told it ends up with 4352 cuda cores so that's you know 4000 that's a lot the rtx 3090 will have 10496 cuda cores so more than double that's i mean like it's huge and we don't know all the architectural details but one of the things we suspect is they are doubling the number of cuda cores per sm uh which there's there's reasons to go smaller reasons to go larger kepler had i think 192 maxwell maxwell and uh pascal went to 128 then Turing went to 64, and now it looks like Ampere on the consumer side is going back to 128. Uh, that's that's my guess, anyway. Anyway, the CUDA cores, you multiply the number of CUDA cores times two, because you're doing fused multiply add operations, and then you times it by the clock speed, and that gives you your teraflops. And so the 2080 Ti was a roughly 14.2 teraflop chip, the 3080, not the 3090, the 3080 is basically a 30 teraflop chip. The 3070 is going to be a 20 teraflop chip. And the 3090 is going to be nearly 36 teraflops. So this is a huge boost in computational power. Um, ray tracing is 1.7 times faster per ray tracing core, they said. And uh, your tensor cores are four times faster, but half as many per SM, something like that. Anyway, it's it, it's a computational monster. And they're saying the 
3070 will be faster than a 2080 Ti. The 3080 Jensen said is twice as fast as a two as a 2080, and the 3090. I don't know that he gave hard numbers, but uh, I would expect the 3090 to be um, screaming fast, and also it's it's screaming expensive. The the pricing not so bad as I worried. Like fifteen hundred dollars is insane, right? For just a graphics card. That's for the uh, thirty ninety, right? Yeah, that's the thirty ninety. That's that's the low end of what I expected because we said it's gonna be a big chip, it's gonna be really powerful. It's basically the replacement for the Titan it looked like. And sure enough, it's it's a Titan price, but it's not the twenty five hundred dollar Titan RTX. It's the fifteen hundred dollar Titan um called an RTX thirty ninety. So that's that's not as bad as it could have been. That's $300 more than the 2080 Ti, um, and hopefully twice as fast. So that's if anyone who is thinking about NVLink SLI 2080 Ti's is probably like, you know, praising that they didn't waste the money on that right now and they can buy a 3090. And if you already have 2080 Ti SLI, now's the time to sell them and buy a 3090. But uh, I think most of us are really interested in the 3070 and the 3080 because those are $500 and $700, basically carrying the 2080 Super and 2070 Super prices forward. So that was that was at least somewhat pleasant news. It's not like cheap, but it's it's not as astronomical pricing as it could have been. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to look at things. Very <laughs> positive outlook. Um, uh, Matt, I, what did you think seeing this? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I also, I also think that the pricing seems good in part because the previous generation launch was so expensive and, you know, that they're adding apparently this much performance without raising the prices dramatically, it, like, especially given that they don't have really any competition in the high end like is, is kind of shocking. Well, so so you say they don't have competition, but that's part of the big question, right? Big Navi is coming. We assume all indications are Big Navi will have up to 80 compute units. Um, their compute units don't have double the shader cores though. So we don't know exactly how performance is gonna shake out, but um, Nvidia said, their Ampere chips are 1.9 times the uh, performance per watt as Turing. And they went to 320 watts on the 3080, 350 watts on the 3090, but the, the 3070 is only 220 watts, so that's not so bad. But uh, I mean, AMD saying one and a half, one and a half times or 50% increase for performance per watt for their big Navi versus their current um, Navi 1X cards. So like, if it all pans out like we could actually see at least competitive amd performance i don't think they're going to touch the 3090 but uh maybe they can come close to 3080 and 3070. well we'll have to run the tests and find out but the, the question yeah. is can they do it and actually undercut or at least keep close to nvidia pricing i don't know yeah or will they launch a carb that you know <laughs> Almost will no it be will, will it be Fury Part Three? The R the R nine Fury X disappointed. Uh, Vega sixty four disappointed. <laughs> Radeon seven disappointed. So they're on a roll. Um, I hope it actually ends up really competitive. But uh, you know, fingers crossed. Absolutely. So we have a couple of questions from viewers, which is great. Please keep them coming. I don't know if we actually know the answers to these, but. Let's see, we have one question from Armin asking if we know about, they're ambitious, they wanna use two 3090s already. 
<laughs> they want $3,000 of graphics cards. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I assume they might have NVLink again, um, but like, gosh, if you're running two graphics cards in 2020, you're probably realizing how bad it is on so many games. Like, I'm trying to think, in the last year, how many games have actually supported multi-GPU SLI stuff that came out? You know, I can I can tell you Flight Simulator doesn't. I can tell you Project Cars doesn't. I can tell you um, Doom Eternal doesn't. You know, I can list all sorts of games that do not support SLI at all. And I don't think it's going to get better. There will be a few things that do. If you're trying to set benchmark records and 3D mark, and you want to use SLI for that, I guess that's kind of the best case scenario. There are games like Hitman 2 supports SLI or multi-GPU. Um, uh, and, you know, I think Shadow of the Tomb Raider... No, Rise of the Tomb Raider did. Shadow of the Tomb Raider did not, unless... I, I don't know. The The hard thing about multi-GPU is so far to date, none of, the, none of the games that support ray tracing have supported multi-GPU with ray tracing, which is kind of, like, I don't know if there's some technical limitations that make it too hard to do, but, uh, you know, that's that would be, like, your best-case scenario. It's like, hey, take control and run it at 4K with all the ray tracing effects and still get 70, 80 frames per second. That would be yeah. lovely. But yeah. uh, Go back to the physics days and, you know, get your dedicated card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 3090 for physics. There you go. There you go. Hey, what's it? What is it? Batman Arkham Knights is coming out. Maybe they'll do physics again. That's that's been one of the series that did a lot of physics stuff. Um, anyway, I, they did not say SLI or NV Link. And given that, like they they cut down from three and four way SLI to basically two way SLI with Pascal. There there was a possibility to try and do three or four way, but it required a bunch of extra effort and wasn't really worth it. And then Turing totally killed off anything more than two way, and it was only available on the 2070 Super and above. So 2070 Super, 2080, 2080 Ti, uh, 2080 Super. I think I missed too. Um, so. I won't be surprised if it's something where even if they support it, they're going to restrict it and to say it's only on the 3090 or only on the 3090 and maybe 3080. But I think uh, looking at our announcement story, it looks like uh, 3090 is the only one that will support SLI. So. Isn't that the yeah. one that I would need it the least, though? <laughs> well, well, we always say, sure, yeah. but for compute. I've always have. said if you're going to do multi-GPU, like you should at least get the fastest GPU you can before you move to multi-GPU. Like, mm -hmm. if you had a 2080, you'd be better off moving to a 2080 Ti. Even with the 50% jump in pricing, you were better off getting a 2080 Ti than buying two 2080s, because at least the 2080 Ti was always faster. Whereas two 2080s, it's like, hey, 80% of the games it does nothing. Well, and, speaking of, yeah, go uh, ahead, Matt. I was just going to say that it, my major issue with SLI has always been like, you know, the, there will always be like one game that will crop up that actually performs worse. <laughs> and you have to oh, disable it or take it out. Yeah, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, like something you're trying to play and it's like, why is this so yeah. bad? Oh, I have to disable a graphics card. 
Yeah, I did throw in two cards, two 2080 Ti's for Microsoft Flight Simulator just to see what it would do. Performance dropped like 5 to 10%. Partly that might have been because, you know, I, I'm on a Z370, or sorry, Z390 platform, but you can only do X8 PCI Express links when you're doing two GPUs. Um, and so that may have been a factor that might have dropped the performance slightly, or it might have just been like the the driver doing extra work. I don't know, but it, it certainly didn't use the second GPU and it dropped performance a bit. So, and that's that's been increasingly common over the past couple of years. Yeah, there's nothing like paying several hundreds of dollars, if not more, only to get worse performance, especially if it happens to be like the game that you're dying, you know, to play. The but most. how fast can you do cryptocurrency mining? <laughs> we all want to know. 3D Mark scores will be amazing. Yeah. So what do you what do you guys think? Um, Pantera is wondering if they should start uh, thinking about buying, um, I guess, a RTX 3080 or maybe any of the cards, or will there be Super or TI versions of them? Should we just wait it out a little? No, I, I so I don't think the Super or TI or whatever are going to launch that soon. I, I do think you'll see like an in-between card. There's a big gap between like the 3070 to the 3080 and then the 3080 to the 3090. I don't know when NVIDIA is going to fill that gap. It might be in two months when AMD launches their comp competing cards. It really depends on how competitive AMD is. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see, you know, a spring refresh where you get like 5% better performance for the same price. And I'm like, waiting six months for 5% more performance is not that important to me. Um, I, I know, like, if you bought a 2060, sorry, not 2060, if you bought the 1660 Ti right when it came out, and then the 1660 Super came out five months later and offered similar performance for $50 less. Maybe that was enough to get upset about, but I don't know. I just, like, I figure you buy it because you want it, not because you need it for most of us. Yeah, no, the, the upset people are the ones who bought the 2080 Super or 2080 Ti in the last few months. Those really upset yeah. people. Well, I wrote that article like two or, th two or three months ago saying it's a terrible time to buy a graphics card. Just don't do it because we knew these cards were coming. And I'm like, even if they were less than they ended up being, like it's still worth waiting to see rather than like if you wanted a 20 ti 2080 ti your best time to buy it was right at launch pay the 1200 dollars and have it for two years as the best fastest graphics card waiting until it's 18 months old and then buying it it's like well now you know something new is just around the corner that's that's not good hey jared can i borrow 1500 dollars <laughs> Like now, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> talk to my boss; he can, he can give you a loan. <laughs> so let's talk design a little, because we have a question regarding the fans facing different directions, as Rashid points out. Any any thoughts on that? I'm not sure if they're facing. I think they both pull in for, from the illustration. They both pull in air from the bottom. The one that's closer to the IR. IO ports shoots it out the back of your PC. The other one shoots it through the radiator. So, you know, the, the direct flow through the radiator, it's kind of like what you get on most CPU coolers. And I think that will cool a lot better and hopefully generate less noise. And obviously, I mean, NVIDIA went big on the power. So 350 watt for the 3090, 320 watt for the 3080. Um, cooling that effectively 
is is difficult and it it requires some design considerations i've said this in one of the articles too i'm like man in retrospect the the uh 20 series founders editions those cards look nice but the back plates especially on like the 2080 super and 2080 ti they get hot uh, like if I pull out an IR th- thermometer and point it at a 2080 Ti running stock uh, Founders Edition, the back plate is like 75 to 80 C. Um, even if you crank up the fan speed, it still stays at like 70 C. And it's like the GPU itself isn't really any cooler than that, and you're like, or any hotter than that. And it's like, man, all the heat is like ending up on the back plate. And I think having their new design will keep it so that the the card itself doesn't get scorching hot on the outside because if you played a game and for whatever reason shut off your computer and grabbed your graphics card i've done that because i test graphics cards right you're like okay i'm finished benchmarking i'm gonna swap gpus and you grab that card and it's like oh dang that's hot and so then i like turn the computer back on let it sit for a couple of minutes shut off and then remove the card because i don't want to burn my fingers so I think the new cooling will will definitely help in that aspect. But, you know, Asus, Gigabyte, MSI, whoever, all these other companies, it looks like many of them are going to have traditional designs that look just like their previous generation cards. So just bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean, like the, the triple slot thing is going to be a real deal on a lot of the 3080 and 3090 cards. Or 2.9 or 2.7. Yeah. Yep. Thin slices of slots. <laughs> I had a I had a Zotac uh, Amp Extreme. I think it was a 1080 Ti. I can't remember which model, but um, you know that was like a 2.7 slot thing. Just huge, massive, beefy cool. But it ran cool. Like like compared to the reference model. It was it was like 10 to 15 C cooler and super quiet because it's like well yeah when you have a heat sink that's like this thick you don't need a lot of fan speed. So speaking of third party cards and I'm not sure how much um, I know I, I saw a couple announcements today I don't know how many we've already seen in terms of third party cards but one question we have is how much room do you think there is for third party cards to overclock and add performance that way. Anyone? I mean, that's it's we don't know because we haven't tested the cards ourselves. Um, right. I mean, like one thing to know about NVIDIA is they list their well, they didn't even list base clocks. Now they've kind of gotten away from base clock. They list their boost clock uh, and on the RTX. Well, actually, it's, it's pretty much on all of NVIDIA's GPUs since Pascal for sure, probably even Maxwell before that they would list a boost clock that was a conservative boost boost clock. So it's like they would say, hey, your 2080 Ti can boost up to 1545 megahertz. But then you'd open up like a MSI Afterburner or GPU-Z or something that tracked GPU clock speed. And you're like, man, I'm getting 1800 megahertz. I'm like way above boost. And they do that intentionally because people are really excited to see a card overperform rather than underperform. Um, AMD traditionally went the other route where they would say, hey, the maximum boost clock is 1.3 gigahertz, and you'd look at the card and it would often run at like 1.2 or whatever. They kind of changed that with the uh, Navi generation, so the RX 5700 series, where now their gamer clock is... Uh, is more of a conservative boost. So they'll say, hey, it typically runs at 1700 megahertz and you might get 1750. But NVIDIA has said 1700 megahertz on the 
3090, 1710 on the 3080, and 1730 on the 3070. Um, it's also Samsung's eight nanometer process, which was a bit of a surprise. It's not TSMC. Probably t TSMC is just kind of tapped out. So many people are using it, including Apple, Nvidia, AMD, even Intel, um, that they went to Samsung and maybe got a better price to boot. But uh, we don't know exactly how well Samsung 8 nanometer is going to perform relative to other GPUs. So when they say 1700 megahertz, it's like, well, is it still going to boost up to like 1.9, maybe even 2 gigahertz or more? Uh, hopefully, but we just have to wait and see until we actually get cards in hand. And then that will tell us, you know, what what headroom there is for third-party overclocking. Usually these days, I expect no more than 10% overclocks on GPUs, and that's even if you put on a big monster cooler. I guess I guess Navi was a little better if you overrode some of the power limitations. You could get it to go higher, but so Nvidia not so much. We've been seeing recently um, a lot of uh, small form factor pre-builds coming out. And we actually have a question asking if we think this card would work with a small form factor build. Assuming you can get it to fit, is it yeah. going to be a problem? Well, which card? The 3090? Um, <laughs> um, GJJ123456 specifically asks about the 3080. Well, the 3080s, I think the 3080s going to be pretty similar in size to like a 2080 2080 ti i mean 2080 ti and 2080 are basically the same size card mm -hmm. so uh i i don't think it's going to be substantially larger there is that concern of like venting air into the case right but one, tdp is like a hundred watts more, higher right yep. yeah yeah that's that, i think that's going to be the bigger issue even yeah. if you could get it to fit and you know somebody's otak or somebody makes a small card What's it going to sound like? Yeah. And how hot is it going to be after like four hours of gaming? Oh, but yep. I, they're so cute. <laughs> I miss Matt's small form factor build. I used to sit next to me in the uh, office. I tell you what, I'm I'm all about the bigger PC because I swap yeah. GPUs way too often. I mean, literally, it's a <laughs> daily thing. And I I had a smaller form factor system at one point. And actually, that's how I got started. If you guys didn't know, I I did small form factor reviews for Anon Tech. <laughs> Uh, don't don't go look them up, please. No, but uh, um, I cut lots of knuckles and fingers trying to work in those dang cramped cases, and I I came to kind of loathe them a little bit. So when I shifted over to big desktops, I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, but yeah, I I think I had a I had someone from a from a system integrator actually tell me, and this was several years ago, but he's like he refused to use anything but blower cards in small form factors because when you had the open air coolers venting into the case, you know, if you had a mini ITX case, it was just a recipe for disaster. And he's like, I don't want customers coming back and complaining and saying, hey, my system's unstable. And uh, so he, he only used blowers, which I think they even got like Asus to do a custom, I mean, not custom, but they did a blower card for the 2080 Ti. And that was pretty much for system integrators that wanted to do smaller builds where they wanted to vent the heat. But yeah, those, I don't know. I, I would say probably you want a bigger mini ITX or at least a micro ATX. If you're going to try and stuff in a 3080, that's the safe bet. Yeah. I think 3070 will be the, your, yeah, 
probably about as high as it's gonna go. Thirty seventy is the sensible choice anyway, right? It's it's a twenty eighty Ti performance. Actually, they said better than twenty eighty Ti for five hundred dollars. I mean, That's finally, interesting. a lot of. I mean, this is of course not an official sample size, but I'm noticing a lot of our comments are asking about the thirty eighty and the thirty ninety, and not the thirty seventy. <laughs> That's not coming until October. I mean, that's a month out. So I don't yeah, know. People get excited about the top end things and you know new levels of performance. You know, that's where a lot of the excitement is. But I'm sure that that uh, Nvidia will sell many more 3070s. Yeah, long term they'll they'll probably sell like five to ten times as many 3070s as 3090s. They did, it is interesting. Jensen said something about like they created the Titan cards as sort of like the Uber card that it wasn't sensible. It wasn't really necessary. It wasn't even that much faster. I mean, we've tested the Titan cards and it's like relative to the next step down, the 2080 Ti or 1080 Ti or 780 Ti or whatever it was, it was always like three to five percent faster, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah, you got you doubled your VRAM, but usually that didn't matter. And the price more than doubled often. And so it was kind of this thing where it's like a status symbol or whatever. And Jensen said something like, we sold way more Titan cards than we really thought we would. And so now, instead of the Titan RTX version, whatever, 2, they're doing an RTX 3090. And it's only $1,500 instead of being $2,500. And it's like, oh, they're so generous, so nice. <laughs> Not really, but I, they'll sell more at fifteen hundred dollars than they sold at twenty five hundred dollars. I'm sure. Sure. So we do have a couple people asking about um, CPU recommendations. Um, we have Tyler asking specifically about um, thirty eighty and four K performance. Um, are we able to start thinking about that yet? Do we have enough information? Yeah, if you look back, if you search on Tom's Hardware, you'll find I did an article just a, a couple months ago, and it was specifically in preparation for this where I benchmarked a 9900K against the 3900X just to see how they compared across all resolutions. And I, I did it with multiple GPUs. I think I used 10 different GPUs, and they were went from 2080 Ti down to a 2060, and then the... 5700 XT down to the 5600 XT, something like that. Anyway, I did all the testing and it's like, yeah, actually your CPU still matters at 1080p and 1440p on the higher end cards. At 4K, the gap started to narrow down to like three to 5%. But now we're talking about a GPU, which I mean, we don't know exactly, but possibly it's 50% faster than the 2080 Ti. So that just pushed the CPU bottleneck hard. And so even at 4K, we're now potentially hitting situations where your CPU is going to matter more. So if you're willing to buy a $1,500 graphics card on a 3090, I think the only sensible choice right now is you'd have to go with a 10900K or at least a 10850K and overclock it because those are still 5 to 10% faster than the 9900K that I use for testing and the fastest Ryzen chip right now the 3900x it's actually faster than the 3950 in gaming uh it's it's like anywhere from five percent slower at 4k to maybe 15 percent slower at 1080p and so i'd i'd say if you are worried about cpu either get a 10900k or wait for zen 3 and see what that does what if you um 
don't uh, require 4K? What if you, you just want to do 1080p? Then don't buy the 3090. What would you recommend? You have a 360 hertz monitor to pair with it if you're going to do that. There you go. I the only thing that 360 hertz monitors are good for is like CSGO and uh, League of Legends. Like, if you play Flight Simulator, it didn't matter what GPU you had or what CPU. Like your best case scenario at minimum quality was like 180 frames per second. Not that you need it for a simulator, but whatever. Um, if you're playing at 1080p with ray tracing and all the bells and whistles, like conceivably the 3080 might still be GPU limited, but I think 1440p is, is kind of more where I would see the, the 3080 being necessary. And that's, that's like my favorite gaming resolution right now because 4K monitors, like it's hard to get a higher refresh rate on them without spending a ton of money. And, uh, and I'm older, so like when I'm working outside of a game, like in Windows, if I load up Word or a website, I'm often sitting there going, okay, my 4K monitor needs to be at 150% scaling because I can't read it comfortably from four feet away. Whereas like a 1440p, I'm like, no, that looks much better. I, I Actually, I'm jealous of Matt. I think, don't you have like a 42-inch 4K? 49. 49. <laughs> it's a TV. I, I'm, that's, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Um, that's yeah. how I I, I'm older too, and that's how I uh, deal with scaling: is just make the screen bigger. Yeah, so I've got a 28-inch 4K that I'm using right now, and there's more 28-inch 4Ks behind me because I have multiple test beds, and every one of them, it's like if I'm trying to read just text at 100% DPI, I'm I'm just like sitting there going, oh, what does that say? And it's it's painful, so and I can't even imagine glasses. <laughs> uh, if you're old. older, old, I've got glasses. <laughs> they don't help for like this distance. Oh. And when I'm reading like a book, they make it worse. Don't talk to me about bifocals. <laughs> I want to talk to you actually about monitors. You know, I love monitors and I did cover um, some, we already knew about a bunch of 360 Hertz monitors. We basically got a little bit more info on some of them, but there are like a handful coming out this fall. Um, like you said, you pretty much are limited to esports titles. But I'm wondering, with these new graphics cards, can I maybe up the settings from the lowest settings and still hit over 300 FPS with these? Better? I mean, it depends on the game, right? Because when you when you increase the settings, and I I actually tested Flight Simulator and uh, Project Cars 3 during the past two weeks, and both of those are simulators, and they they had similar situations where increasing your settings didn't actually make the game less of a cpu bottleneck up until ultra quality so it was like at 1080p low settings you were maybe limited to 200 frames per second um, if you drop to 1080p medium or sorry if you increase to 1080p medium your frame rates would drop to 180 frames per second but you were still cpu limited so like the 2070 super and the 2080 ti performed the same within like a few percent of each other and it was only at like 1440p ultra that you started to see the usual like 20 percent delta between a 2070 super and a 2080 ti so when you increase the complexity, the, the graphics settings, that often means more CPU work as well because it's doing more geometry calls, more draw calls, which requires more CPU performance. And so it's like, yeah, your, your CPU can only render or, or deal with so much 
data per second. And so if you double the amount of data that a, a frame requires, then you cut your frame rate in half, even if you're purely CPU limited and you have all the GPU in the world. And so I think that's that's what you'll see on a lot of games where they are actually close to CPU limited already with like your 2080 Ti, 2080 stuff and a 3080 won't help them. But there are going to be other games where, like, honestly, this is one of those where it's it's down to optimizations and the developers. So a really good DirectX 12 or Vulkan implementation that scales with more threads and more cores, like you can you can see high performance on those. I think Doom Eternal was a great example of that, where if you ran at 1080p in lower settings, like you would get up into the 200, 300 frames per second, whereas Assassin's Creed is a terrible game for scaling or for high frame rates and high refresh rates. Exciting. I love when I get over 300, like 302, <laughs> 310 in a loading screen or menu. <laughs> yeah, and then the real problem is you get, you get those games that still come with a frame rate cap or they're like, oh, no one needs more than 120 frames per second, right? Not no one. <laughs> but there are games that have done that, right? And it's mm -hmm. thankfully they're they're becoming less common, but you still see a lot of games where they don't fully unlock the frame rate because they tie physics or something weird with the with the frame rate and then it causes problems. What about eight K? Are you excited That's, for eight K? You're in my mind, Jared. I was gonna ask you, talk to me about eight K. I mean, I don't know what I would do with eight K right now. How I'm going to leverage that? So I, I need something um, with the 4K games that could take me to 8K, perhaps like DLSS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so 4K on like let's say 3080. If it's 30% faster than a 2080 Ti or 50% faster, like that makes 4K gaming absolutely viable at native resolution. But then 8K is four times as many pixels, and that's just not going to happen at 60 frames per second, certainly. And so you do DLSS and it's like, oh, a 3090 or a 3080 with DLSS upscaling from 4K to 8K should actually perform pretty well. Uh, I'm going to have to talk to my manager, Matt, and see if he can get me one of those 8K displays for benchmarking purposes because they only cost like, what, $3,000, $4,000? Hey, Jared, can I borrow $3,000 to $4,000? <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to, uh, I think, I think Andrew linked it to me. He's like, oh, this is what I need. And, and it's an 88 inch LG. I think it's OLED, but it was an 8K 88 inch TV. And I'm like, yeah, that is what I need for benchmarking. <laughs> like, I'm just going to expense that. I mean, I think about, yeah, it was $30,000. I forget. I forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jared, no. <laughs> Can I borrow your salary for a year? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that they're obviously they're pushing 8K because they have to go somewhere, right? But um, yeah, like those displays don't really exist in large number. And like, I think there are more TVs than there are monitors. But I mean, if you're going to actually run at 8K, in order to even hope to actually see the difference, you're going to need to be running on a very big screen or literally sitting like six inches in front of it, in which case, you know, it would be like gaming on an IMAX screen. So yeah, I, I actually remember seeing the first 8K displays at CES. What was it like? It might have been three years ago, four years ago, whenever it was, the first 8K displays. And it, they had like an 80-inch or whatever display. And like I walked up with my eyes and sat 
a foot away from the TV and looked at it, and I'm like, I literally can't see the individual pixels. Like that's that's how big 8K is. It's like on a several feet wide or eight foot wide display, I still couldn't see pixels. And I don't have great eyesight. Like I'm I'm not like Mr. Superman Vision, but I don't have terrible eyesight either. And I'm like, yeah, if I get really close to my 4K display, it's kind of the same thing right now. It's it's hard to see the individual pixels. So I'm like, if you're sitting on your couch, I would have a hard time telling the difference between a really high quality 1080p and a 4K and certainly 8K from 10 feet, 15 feet away on a 65 inch TV. You know, there's people that they say they see the difference. And I'm like, I think what you're really seeing is a difference in encoding quality. Because if you have a crappy 1080p encode, then yeah, it looks a lot worse than a good or decent 4K encode. But I think if you had equal quality levels on all three, that, you know, your your visual system isn't such that you can actually resolve the finer details at 10 to 15 feet away when you're sitting on a couch. Yeah, I just uh, would, would like to point out that I remember probably 2004 when, like, we first started seeing, like, 24-inch monitors. Like, I had a 21-inch CRT, but, like, when when 24-inch monitors started becoming semi-affordable, like, in the six $700 range, there was a lot of discussion of, like, is, is a 24-inch monitor going to cause motion sickness when people game because they'll have to move their head so much? Like, 24 inches, which is now... So I was like you. I had a 21-inch CRT up until about 2004, and I saw the the Dell, uh, what was it called? Is like the 240. I can't remember the model number, but anyway, it was their their first 24-inch monitor, and I saw that. I'm like, I have to have that. And I I paid $600 for my 21-inch CRT back in '96 or something. So I bought one, and man, I was like, I'm never going back to CRT. Like the flat screen and the perfect geometry. I'm like, I'm done with analog signals. So yeah, that that was huge. But monitor, but I got a better deal because uh, I pretended I was a Dell. I was a small business owner. (laughs) I paid a thousand dollars, and then I then I got like a thirty-inch monitor a few years later um, for review that I that I just kept using, and then then uh, eventually I moved to four K, and I actually was sad to let the thirty-inch go because. 2560 by 1600 at 30 inch was more comfortable to use than 4k at 28 inch but for for testing purposes i needed to do 4k so i mean this this 8k business i'm like i i don't know when i'm going to need 8k um yeah and i don't know when i'll need (laughs) like um matt um said like to get like a really big screen where you can really enjoy you know that uh, sharp resolution i don't i literally don't have a big enough apartment like i can get a bigger screen but i'll be so close to it that it wouldn't be comfortable and we actually have a question asking when do we think ak tvs will get more approachable for the average person like for me it just won't be because i don't have a big enough space so well i i mean like remember when 4k tvs first came out like what did they cost they were thousands of dollars, right? And right. we bought a 4K 65-inch TV this past Christmas for $300. And it's like, wow. You can so, barely even find a HD one anymore. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know, I, I think the 
the feeding it an 8K signal at a reasonable rate is going to be harder. But if you're just upscaling it, I'm like, I could see it not costing that much more to make an 8K TV. So it might only be a few years before all of a sudden it's like, hey, get your 8K 80-inch TV for $600. Yeah, I mean, I think once they start making them, I mean, I, I guess this isn't going to drive, you know, they're not going to sell enough 3090s to drive, uh, you know, no. the, the panel companies to, to adopt, uh, you know, but content, I don't, I mean, when the content exists and they start mass producing them, like they'll get pretty cheap pretty fast as they did with 4K. But I, I would say probably not next year, but the year after. I don't want to stream 8K video right now because I'm on freaking Xfinity <laughs> with a 1.2 terabyte data cap. And I'm like, every time I, I see like a 4K stream on Amazon Prime or, or Netflix or whatever, I'm like going, how much data is that using for every hour I watch? And then you, you kind of look at it and you're like, we just used like 50 gigabytes of data to watch that movie. If we did this too often, like my kid, kids could easily blow through my data cap. And then it's like, well, why don't you just pay $50 more a month for an unlimited data cap? And then so, there's so many people to. working from home right now. Like yeah. the infrastructure can't handle shit yeah. to 8K right now. So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm already seeing like actors' pores and stuff in 4K. I don't know if we need to go deeper. <laughs> TMI, don't want to see your zits. <laughs> so we have another viewer question um, regarding the um, RTX 3000 cards, Ampere in general. They like to know if it would be reprehensible if they used it with PCIe 3. Like right now, you can pair an Ampere card with zen 2 and get your pci express gen 4 but i will wager and i'm going to test this later this month i'm going to test it on the 3900x and see what performance looks like and i will bet you money that the 9900k um, never mind the 10900k will beat the 3900x across the board even though it has the slower interface and the reason is the interface becomes less important the more memory that your graphics card has. So like the one card that we've seen an X8 versus an X16 difference on Gen 4 is the 5500 XT four gigabyte card because it has to pull more data over the PCI Express bus. And so if you stick it in a PCI Gen 3, it gets half the bandwidth and it slows it down a little bit. So um, I, I think if, you, if you're worried about PCI Gen 4, it's not going to be that big of a deal like it it might become more useful down the road but i don't think we're at the stage yet where it's necessary for what the graphics cards are doing all that all that being said you know when i was looking at the announcement today and you have you know samsung 8 nanometer and pci4 it's like that doesn't look great for intel right now <laughs> yeah i mean like intel is really i they they blew it on 10 nanometer like it's not like something they intentionally did right but they had some serious engineering missteps there that caused them serious grief and they're only now kind of just getting out of it because like let's be real they still don't have more than a four core um chip on 10 nanometer super fin whatever you want to call it like even the new tiger lake stuff that's announcing tomorrow actually um, all the information that we've seen all the leaks say it's not more than four cores and so next year we'll get ice lake um are they calling it ice lake x or are they calling it ice lake 
LP or whatever. But anyway, that will get you up to 28 cores on Intel's 10 nanometer. But that's that's like three years behind where it was supposed to be. Which I actually wanted to ask, Jared, you covered um, Intel's gaming graphics card coming out next year, the XEHPG. Um, any thoughts on how that might compare to NVIDIA's launch? Well, so I was, I'll, I'll freely admit, I was wrong on what NVIDIA Ooh. would get on the shader core counts. Like they doubled them relative to what I was ex expecting. They, they went from you know, I was I was thinking your your 3090 was going to be around 5,000 to 6,000 cores, or shaders. They're not really cores, but shaders, and they it's 10,000. I'm like, okay, so Intel. I was kind of expecting them to do maybe 4,000 cores or ALUs or whatever you, shader processors on their XPG. Sorry, XEHPG. Too many acronyms. Uh, I think I think if Intel wanted to compete with a 3090 they would have to move to basically 8,000 ALUs or shaders or more. And, and we know like their XEHP, their high performance computing module for data centers and stuff, they're saying they can do one tile, two tile, four tile versions. The four tile version has um, 2,048 execution units and each of those has eight ALUs and so that's 16,000 ALUs so like they could do that theoretically but but that's only useful for compute because as soon as you start doing real-time graphics workloads I don't think your tiled structure on Intel's chips is going to be useful and I don't think XEHPG is going to do it but we'll see so I, I think Intel like they still have a chance but it really depends on you know are they going to go as big as Nvidia went and We'll see. I don't expect them to, but I could be wrong. What do you think, Matt? How do you think um, the XEHPG will fare in this competitive landscape? I mean, given what I've seen from Intel in recent years, like I, I don't think they'll go that big either, unless there's a reason for them to do so in the enterprise space and then carry it down. Like, it just doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me for like to try to push into a market and. You know, I mean, it makes sense from an enthusiast standpoint, and people would eat it up. But again, you know, Nvidia is not going to sell a lot of 3090s, so why would Intel try to push into that space? You know, I, like I think they'll start more in the mainstream. I mean, especially since you know, like they're so used to dealing with the the, the billions millions billions of customers that they have in, in integrated graphics they can just get something that is you know substantially better than that that's small and affordable like i, I think it would do well and like to put all the the effort into going massive first i i would as as jared said it's possible but i would be surprised and we do actually know like XELP stuff has been leaking on and Tiger Lake. I mean, it looks like they're going to have maybe 1.6 gigahertz and 96 execution units, which ends up being somewhere in the neighbor of like 2.5 uh, teraflops, which is kind of in that like a GTX 1050 range. So I mean, it's it's respectable for integrated graphics. It's actually potentially going to be faster than AMD's Renoir integrated graphics. So, um, but it's still like 
a far cry from anything that's happening at the top of the dedicated GPU space. I think I think Intel is about ready to kill off anything less than a $200 graphics card. I mean, obviously, if you've got an old system, you might want the $100 graphics card. But if you buy, you know, a Tiger Lake laptop, there's not there's not going to be any need to get it with a GTX 1650. It's like no, you'd you'd have to get at least a 1660 or maybe a 2060 before the the bump in performance would warrant the extra cost. So it looks like we have just one more uh, question from our viewers, and I want to answer it because I know the answer to it. Do we know how much the 3060 or 3070 will cost? So the 3070 will be 499. Um, they did not announce a 3060. Do we think we'll see one? Eventually. Like This is very much like most of NVIDIA's product launches. They start at the top or or at least the penultimate. So like in the past, they launched the 1080. The 1080 Ti came out a year later or whatever. Um, 2080, 2080 Ti launched simultaneously. Uh, they're doing that with this launch as well. We're getting 3090 and 3080. 3070 comes a bit later. If you looked at the 20 series launch, the 2060 came about five months after the initial RTX launch that came in January, whereas the first cards, the 2080, 2080 Ti launched in, I think, August. I'd need to double check. But so my assumption is January or February roundabouts is when we'll probably see the 3060 arrive. And we'll probably see a 3050 as well. Like based on the specs they're giving, they could definitely cut down even further and be like, hey, here's a 3050 card that costs $200 or $250, and it will deliver better performance than a 2060. Well, the Blunt Force is doing a build for their friends, so good luck. You're a good friend. I haven't done that for any of my friends. <laughs> well, right. he's, he's not buying the build, right? The, the guy buys the parts, and he oh, just helps put point. it together. <laughs> I've done that for lots of people. That's, That's a good a point. <laughs> I you know, what was I going to... Oh, we were talking about Intel. The the thing with Intel that's interesting, too, is Intel really likes their high average sale prices. Like, they entered and then left, then re-entered the, the SSD market, and then they've left again. And, you know, it's like, well, what are they going to do with these graphics cards? Like, XELP is not a high-end card. You can't sell it for a high-end price. But... You know, I, I really don't know what Intel's doing with their graphics cards. It's going to be interesting to watch. I think you could have ended that sentence before with their graphics cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a busy coming month for you, Jared. Yep. I've, I've got a lot of RTX 30 series cards coming soon. Um, I haven't got any now. Uh, if if you want to know, I think I can say that. Like now that we had our our little live stream today, I do not have a 30 series card in the house yet. I don't have drivers for it either, but we know the launch date is September 17th, and then September 24th for the 3090. So I will probably get cards a week before then, and drivers four days before then, and it's like good luck. And then uh, the but, new and then the new driver like a day yeah. before the launch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So yeah, I'm going to be benchmarking like a fiend over the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be down to the wire, I'm sure. And then we'll get all the third-party cards that we can and, and run those for, through the ringer as well. I'm very curious to see how how the NVIDIA models compare to the you know, ASUS and Gigabyte and MSI and whoever else. It's like, is their cooling 
their new custom cooling solution, is it better? Or is it kind of like, well, it's it's different, but guess what? You know, the big fat honking triple fan cooler that Asus makes is still perfectly sufficient. I suspect I, that's the case. <laughs> I, I mean, my, my biggest, I don't know, not question, but kind of fear, it's like, what is availability actually going to be like? Because, you know, with their major global issues going on and there are many more people at home more often than they would be and this seems to be like it's going to be a pretty impressive launch so if they don't have a lot of stock i think it's going to be pretty hard to find these cards for a while oh yeah it's it's going to be just like the past launches where it's like even if the prices are super high which 1500 dollars is astronomical there are probably aren't going to be more than i don't know thousands tens of thousands worldwide and i think there's enough people out there that will want to buy that that can afford to buy it that they'll still sell out and they'll keep selling out for at least the first month or two well, so lots and lots to keep our eyes on so if you really want a 3070 or 3080 or whatever it is and you're willing to take the chance and pre-order like that's your best chance of getting one without paying you know the the price gouging fees but i don't know i'd i'd probably just wait and see what big navi does as well at this point it's only a month or two away is it that big of a rush maybe it is for some people well what if you need your 8k now yeah 8k <laughs> already have to be waiting all three of you well um it looks like that is about all the time we have for today, but there's still plenty of news on our site, of course, including news on the new graphics cards, as well as other announcements NVIDIA made today. So definitely check that out to learn everything you need to know about Ampere as well. Um, in case you're wondering, we will be back this Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern for our regular Tom's Hardware show. So you can hang out with us again this week. Um, we'll be getting into more news from the week and hanging out with a special overclocking guest so stay tuned for that. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel or like us on Facebook. And you can also download every episode of the Tom's Hardware Show as a podcast. How convenient. So that is it for now. Huge thank you to Jared and Matt. And we will see you again this Thursday. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.